are truly holy. And we want to honor you today, Father, in our worship and the attitudes of our hearts. God, the things that we're thinking about, the things that we're allowing ourselves to be preoccupied with, Father, we just humbly submit ourselves to you today as we're going to get into your word together as a group of believers, Father, hungry for your truth, hungry to know you more. And if there are those out there that don't know you, Father, who have been far away from you, God, I pray that this message would grab the very core of who they are. And Father, I ask you that you would just allow your Holy Spirit to do what only you can do as you draw people unto you, Father, as you draw our hearts to you, God, and you help us to find what is missing in our lives and that's that true connection with you. We love you and we honor you today. You truly are a holy God. In Jesus' name, amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Amen. Well, we've been in a series called The Missing Peace. And today I want to talk to you from the subject of leaving familiar. We're going to talk about leaving the things that are familiar today. So if you brought your Bible, I want you to go ahead and turn over to Mark the first chapter, and we're going to read the 16th verse. The first chapter of the book of Mark, and the 16th verse. Mark 1 and 16. It's talking about Jesus here. It says, As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee, in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. You see, to be a disciple of Jesus, to be a follower of Jesus, means to leave the things that are familiar, to leave the things that are comfortable, and to follow him. Now, in this scripture where we just read, there's a word that is used here, and I want you to understand the true meaning of what is being said here. He said they left, or if you have a King James Bible, it uses the word forsook. And that word is the Greek word, ephemi. And that is a compound word, and the first part of it meaning away from, and the second word means to send away from or to send. You got to understand that this word in the Bible, this ephemi, uh, this word is also used whenever the Bible talks about divorce, when it talks about forgiving debts, and when it talks about forgiving sin. So these are the, this is a heavy word. He's not talking about, oh, they were just bored and Jesus said, ah, oh, you guys want to come follow me? Eh, why not? We're just mending some nets. Let's go. You got to understand that word left is that same word used in the context of divorce, it's the same context used in forgiving of sin or forgiving a debt. It's this ephemi leaving. They were forsaking. They were completely abandoning and leaving not only the nets, but the life of who they were, the trade that they have come to know. You see, when these men left the familiar, they weren't just temporarily leaving. They understood that they were completely abandoning the things that were familiar. So, Let's look at this here. This is, this is a strange, uh, strange passage of Scripture. It's always boggled my mind until I began to study it and find out exactly what was going on here. And I'm going to help you, hopefully, to understand a little bit more of what was happening because 
imagine, put yourself in the disciples' shoes. You're doing your job, whatever that job may be, and all of a sudden, some guy walks up to you, and he says, hey, quit what you're doing and come follow me, and you do. Say you're a mechanic, you're working under a car, you've got the hood open, and you're sitting there with your wrench, and you're tightening some bolts. All of a sudden, a guy comes up and says, hey, quit what you're doing and come follow me. Yes. Is this like some kind of picture of the, the, the zombified uh, disciples where they just go, yes, Jesus, I will follow you. That always bothered me because we've tried to explain it away in different ways to understand what was it that caused the disciples to leave because all he said was, come follow me. He didn't preach him a sermon, say, listen, I'm a really good preacher. Now come follow me because of what? I'll tell you what, if you come follow me, this is what I'm going to do for you. He didn't even tell them that. They had no benefit that Jesus had pre-spoken to them to let them know there weren't flyers around. Hey, if some guy comes walking around and you're busy mending your nets and he says, come follow him, drop what you're doing and go do it because it's going to be really great. Jesus didn't make some kind of pitch he wasn't going around knocking on doors like a door-to-door salesman. He just simply said, come follow me. I want you to get this this morning. Look at somebody and say, I want you to get this. Well, here's the deal. There was something that made them want to leave and abandon everything. Abandon what was familiar and come follow Jesus. You see, you have to understand that Jesus was a teacher. He was a rabbi. There's 13 times in Scripture where we see the fact that Jesus was called teacher, referred to as a rabbi. In the Scriptures, we see that 13 times. And you've got to understand, in the day of the Jewish culture, what was going on, being approved and accepted as a pupil of a rabbi was a young Jewish man's highest honor. Okay, this was the highest of highest honor because there was a process that every young Jewish boy would go through. And here's what happened. Around six years old, every child would enter into what was called Bet Sefer. And Bet Sefer is where you learn Torah or you learn the first five books of the Bible. Whenever they would enter into this at six years old, they would learn these first five books of the Bible. And guess what they did? They would memorize them. And how they would do it is they would start them off, the, the, the teacher... Um, that was instructing them would take a portion of scripture on this paper and he would coat it in honey because honey was uh, just very prized. It was something that just wasn't just readily available. You didn't go to the grocery store and just pick it up. It was something very sweet, something very nice that they had that whenever you got honey, it was a big deal. They would take that scripture and they would put it on the young man's tongue and that way he would always remember that the words of God were always supposed to be sweet to him. Now, this guy would go through this, and if he was successful, he would memorize all of the Torah. Now, the best students that did a good job and that really had it, they would move on to the next uh, set, and that was called Bet Talmud, and that was around 10 years old, and what they would do then, guess what? They would memorize the rest of the Hebrew Scripture. Sometimes we have a hard time remembering John 3.16, Right? And here these kids were drilled and instructed. And, by, and at 10 years old, they would go and memorize the rest of Scripture. Now check this out. When you finished Bet Talmud, that you were around 13 or 14 years old, and here's what you would do. When you were 13 or 14, you would present yourself to a rabbi, and you would say, I want to be your disciple. And at that time, you would have discussions with your rabbi because he wanted to see how well you had memorized 
the scripture. He wanted to know how well, not only did you memorize it, but how you understood it. So you would begin to debate back and forth. And the way that you would begin to debate back and forth is you would ask, he would ask a question, and in return, you would have to answer with a question. Did you see in scripture, have you ever read or wondered why whenever Jesus was asked questions of the religious leaders of that day, how did he answer those questions? Most of the times he answered them with a question. That was the way they would exchange information. That was the way that they would train one another to keep one another sharp. So that's what would happen. This 13 or 14 year year old boy who had been through all of this training would sit before this rabbi, say, I want to follow you. I want to follow your teaching. And here's what he would say. He'd say, I want to take your yoke upon me. And the yoke was that particular rabbi's interpretation of the law, of what God said. And he would take that upon him. He would say, I want to learn from you. I want to hear everything that you have so far as your understanding of God's word and of Torah. I want to know your interpretation. I want to become your disciple. Now, if the rabbi accepted this young uh, person as a pupil, he would look at him and he would say these words. He would say, Lech Akarai. That was the Hebrew word that he would say. He would say, Lech Akarai. And you want to know what that word means? It means come follow me. It means I approve of you. You're accepted. You are my disciple now. If you did not hear the words, lek ekarai, what would happen is he would tell you, you know what? I know you think you would make a fine rabbi, but you don't have what it takes. You need to go to your father's trade, and you need to learn from your father and learn his trade and work with him. And that's what they would do. And it was a one-time deal. It wasn't like, you know, you get to go reapply. This was a one-shot deal. If you didn't make it, you didn't make it. And that was the highest honor of the day. Now, when we find these men, what are they doing? They're working with their father. They're mending the nets with their father. And Jesus comes up to them and he says, Lech Akari. Ooh. He says, come, follow me. Jesus comes up to them and says, come, follow me. And what did they do? They immediately dropped their nets and they went and followed him. They recognized Jesus was the rabbi. He was the good teacher. And what was he telling them? He was saying, I accept you. I approve of you. I want you. Come, follow me. Lech Akari, come be my disciple. Come, follow me. Wow. Once you realize you're accepted, once you realize that you're approved by Jesus, once you recognize the fact that he wants you, he's calling you then to abandon, to leave all of the familiar things behind. He's calling you to leave behind the things that have held you bound. He's calling you to leave behind the things that you thought would complete your life, that you've been searching endlessly on this quest to find this missing piece that's going to fill this void in your life. Oh, if I could just have this type of relationship. Oh, if I could have this kind of job. Oh, if I could have this kind of spouse. Oh, if I could make this much money and have these kinds of things. All of these things I've been pursuing because I've been pursuing these things because there's an emptiness there. But Jesus comes by and he says, come follow me. He's saying, abandon the things that you have found comfort in that have kept you at a comfortable status quo level and abandon the familiar things 
to follow me. He's saying, I want your heart. He's saying, I want your heart and everything in it. I don't want just a little sliver. I don't want just a piece. I don't want just a portion. I want everything that you have. I want to be the most important thing in your life. Everything else is secondary. Now check this out in John chapter 21. We're going to look at verse 2 here. We're going to find something very interesting. See, here in John 21, Jesus has already been crucified. And he's actually already risen from the dead. And he's shown himself to some of the disciples. But there's some of them that haven't seen him yet. They just heard reports that he's around. But here's what happens. In the second verse, Simon Peter Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said, what? I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. They said to him, we're going to go with you too. So they went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they didn't catch anything. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. You see, they didn't even realize it was Jesus because they thought it was over. They weren't really looking for him. They thought that it was over because the circumstance was just too overwhelming. Jesus had died. I watched the nails go through his hands. I watched him carry the cross up the hill. I watched him be pierced in his side. I watched him gasp for his last breath. I was there whenever he said, it is finished. I was there when he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I was there. I saw it. I helped put them in the tomb. This borrowed tomb, I, I, I helped everybody put him in the tomb. And, and he said all of these things, and I saw such great things. But you know what? I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. It's too overwhelming. You see, whenever things get difficult and they're not working out like you thought, there's always a temptation to go back to the familiar and forget that we were accepted. There's always the temptation to go back and forget that Jesus had said, Lechakari, come follow me, come trust in me, come give me all of your heart, not just a little piece. You see, there's always that temptation to go back to the life we had before. You see, whenever Jesus calls us and he says, come follow me, maybe there was a time in your life where you weren't allowing God to have that first chair in your life that king seat in your life. Something else was sitting on the throne of your heart. Maybe alcohol was sitting on the throne of your heart. Maybe money was sitting on the throne of your heart. Maybe relationships were sitting on the throne of your heart, trying to find that missing piece to fill that emptiness and fill that void. Maybe all of these other things work. Maybe you've become a workaholic, and that was what you allowed on the throne of your heart. But then there came a time where you said, you know what? I'm going to make the decision today to give everything to Jesus because he's crying out to us today just as he was to those disciples years and years ago where he's saying, Lek Akari, come follow me. Come abandon everything and follow me because I accept you. I want you. Yeah, but I'm here and, and, and I haven't been approved by others. I haven't been accepted by others. Yes, but I accept you. So come follow me. 
and we get so on fire for the Lord and we start to pursue him and we begin to allow him to change our life. But then we run into a mountain. We run into a roadblock. We run into difficult circumstances because somehow in our mind, we've got ourselves convinced that because we've got our lives right with Christ and because we're following him and he said, Lech Akari, oh yay, I feel so warm and fuzzy inside. He accepted me. He loves me. He wants me to come follow him and I've given him so much. We all of a sudden think that we're going to be exempt from difficulty we think we're going to be exempt from any hardships i think that the disciples had it pretty rough the disciples had a pretty hard time most of them died a martyr's death most of them experienced excruciating pain but yet they thought that you know like you and i think sometimes well if i do what the pastor says if i do what this book says with this 10 step thing if i do this and if i do that then all of a sudden everything's going to be great and i'm not going to have any problems and then whenever a problem arises in our life we go whoa whoa wait a minute the pastor said whoa, whoa wait a minute wait a minute i did not sign up for this this hurts. This stinks. It was easier whenever I was living my life like it was before. And so we go and we pick our nets back up and we go back to the things that are familiar. This is too hard, walking in freedom from pornography. It's just too easy to go back because I'm too stressed and I just need to go back to what's familiar. It, it, it's too hard to try to stay away from the alcohol because I, I've, I've got to go back. But it's, it's just my comfort I've got to go back. I've got to go back. But, you know, I'm trying to be positive. I'm trying. I really am. But, you know, it's just easier to, to just go ahead and, and have those negative conversations. I'll just go ahead and go back to that because it was just easier that way. It's too difficult. I just feel like I'm being condemned all the time and judged all the time. It's just I hate the way I feel. And so I'm going to go back to what's familiar. I'm going to go back to the thing that sat on the throne of my heart before it was seemed easier back whenever i was just you know it, i mean it seemed easier whenever i wasn't living for god and i wasn't going to church it was just a lot easier i just did a lot more things that i wanted to do it seemed a lot you know i, I could go hang out and, and and do this didn't have to worry about what people you know thought. I, I just i could just do what i wanted it just seemed so much easier and we get tempted to go back and the whole time we forget we forget Maybe you've overcome some worry in your life and then the temptation is to fall back into worry. Maybe you have overcome seeking the approval of man in your life. Maybe you lived your whole life looking for others' approval. And maybe you finally come to the place where you've left it. You said, you know what, forget it. I'm leaving it behind. I'm saying, Jesus, I'm following you. But then something happens. I need that affirmation again. I need that again. And you run back to it. As almost a security blanket. Do you remember the guy on Charlie Brown that used to carry the blanket around everywhere? You remember that guy? What was his name? Linus? <laughs> everywhere he walked around, he carried that thing everywhere he went. Everywhere he went, he carried that thing and he refused to let it go. There may have been a time where it got let go for just a little bit, but he immediately would go and find it again. And that's what we do sometimes with our bad habits, with our relationships, with our hang-ups, with the areas in our life that we truly have not submitted to God. We carry it around like that blanket. We say things like this. We say, I just want to quit on God. 
I just want to quit on church. It's, it's too tough. I want to quit on my marriage. I, I want to go back because life was just easier and happier when I was mending those nets. It was just easier. I, 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 I knew how to do that. I was good at that. I was good. Maybe some of you said it'd be easier to go back to sin because I was really good at it. I was a really good sinner. You should have seen me. I was the life of the party. I was the life of the party. Now everybody excludes me. Now everybody pushes me out. Now nobody wants to be around me because they say I'm different. They say that they feel like whenever I'm around them, then I'm just judging them. And I'm like, I'm not even saying anything. I'm just trying to live a godly life. No, I don't want to get plastered with you. I'm sorry. What happened to you? You changed all of a sudden. I'm just trying to live for God. It would just be easier to get their approval and get their acceptance and go back to what was familiar. You see, whenever things get hard, you're always going to be tempted with the opportunity to quit. You're always going to be tempted with the opportunity to return to what's familiar. You see, the disciples went back to the very thing that Jesus had called them from. You see, what they had done was they had a femi. Remember that word? The very first Greek word I shared with you, a femi, the one that meant they forsook. They completely left it. They had completely abandoned it. And now they went back to it because I'm overwhelmed, because I just need some relief, because I need some sense of, of peace. I've got a missing piece in my heart, and I've got to fill it. And we try to make it fit, and we try to squeeze it in. And, and we're still empty, even though we may get that temporary satisfaction, that temporary high from swiping that credit card 500 times. Woo, I got new stuff! And then the bill comes in, oh! <laughs> we get that temporary high, that temporary satisfaction but then it always leaves us empty if it's not the right fit, if it's not the right peace. You see, you don't go back to something that Jesus told you to forsake and abandon. You don't say, Jesus, you know what? Could you swap seats for a minute? Jesus, could you just swap seats just for a minute? Just, just for a minute. I want to go back and be who I used to be. Just for a little bit. I'll give you your chair back, I promise. I love that whenever my kids do that kind of stuff. Hey, Abby, let me sit there for just a second. No, I'm not going to let you sit there. It's my chair. Just let me sit there just for a second. I'll give it back to you. Ha, ha, ha. I'm sitting in your chair. I'm sitting in your chair. And that's what we do with our sin. You see, Jesus said that that old man, who we were, has died. The things he's called us to leave, those things are supposed to be left behind. But a lot of times, uh, we act like we work for the funeral home because we're constantly carrying around our corpse behind us. We're dragging it around, and we open up the casket and say, want to come out and play? You see, it was the dead man. It was supposed to be buried. Just like whenever you and I get baptized, it's that, it, it's, it's that type and shadow of what Jesus did whenever he was dead and then he was buried and then he was raised again. That's what's supposed to happen to us on the inside. And whenever we are baptized, that's a type and shadow of that old man being left in that watery grave and who we are when we come out is supposed to be the person that Christ has made us on the inside. That's a representation of what that means. But too many times we go, oh, 
let's save that baptism water right there because I might need that guy. Let's carry that casket around. I might need that guy because there's something in my heart that makes me want to go back to what's familiar, that makes me want to go back to what Jesus called me to abandon and called me from. And let me tell you something, on this journey, whenever you live this Christian life, there's constantly going to be areas of your life as you become more molded into that image of what Christ is trying to get us to be. There's constantly going to be things in our life, things that are challenging, that are, we're supposed to leave behind. We're supposed to leave behind wrong attitudes, supposed to leave behind the things that we've been giving into, negative words that we've been speaking relationships and people that we've been hanging around that have been very negative influences in our lives things that we've allowed to influence us he's calling those things to be cut away he's calling us to a leave those things forsake those things and whenever he calls you to leave them he doesn't say you know if you want to go out and have a little fun go pick it back up he's saying no i'm calling you to completely sever your tie to that thing Because when you were there in that place, when you were there in that place, when you had that, you didn't hear Lech Akarai. You didn't hear my words. Even though I had accepted you and I had loved you, when you were in that place, I was crying out to you, but you weren't surrendering. You weren't leaving your nets. You were hearing Lech Akarai because you're hearing that I love you and I want you and I accept you, but you were ignoring my voice that would tell you that I love you. And whenever you're in that place where you're holding on to things that are familiar and you refuse to let them go like your little Linus blanket and you're holding on to those things, you're ignoring the words of Jesus that's saying, Lech Akari, come follow me and leave it. Leave it. Leave the familiar. Leave it. Because what I've got for you is so much better. But you've got to leave it. You've got to leave the things that are familiar because it's never going to make you happy. It's never going to fill the void. It's never going to bring you to that place where you feel complete. Flip over to Genesis chapter 12. Is this helping anybody today? Genesis chapter 12. We're going to begin reading in the first verse. God's dealing with this guy called Abram. And here's what he tells him. He says, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, and move to Wisconsin. (laughs) He said, to a land of snowblowers and packers, which I will show you, and cheese everywhere, and hard rolls and brats. No, he says... From your father's house to a land I'll show you. I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I'm going to bless those that bless you and I'll curse those who curse you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So here's what Abraham did. Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Here's the thing, folks. Here's what God said to Abram. He said, get out of your country and from who else? He said, from your family. He said, I'm calling you out. But you see, he took this guy named Lot with him, and Lot was his nephew. I'm going to take Lot with me. Yeah, but, but, but God said 
get out of your country from your family and your father's house. You need to completely abandon all the things I'm calling you to abandon. But yeah, God, I'll just take Lot with me. Lot's been a good boy. Come here, you knucklehead. Let's go, Lot. You want to know how much trouble Lot caused for Abram on his journey? He caused a lot of trouble. But Abram wasn't supposed to take him anyways because God had said, get, away, get out of your country from your family. Don't, don't take the things that are familiar. Don't bring them with you because God knew when he was instructing Abram, he wasn't telling him, I want to be really mean to you. I want to really hurt you. And I want to completely sever you from all your family because I'm just a big, bad, mean God. Ha, 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 ha. That's not what God was doing. God knew that if he brought his family with him, that they were going to cause problems with what he had in mind for Abram. If you bring them along, there's going to be problems. So I'm just asking you to trust me now. You ever tell your kids something like that? You don't need to go hang out with this person. You don't need to go do this. And they go ahead and violate what you told them to do. And they have all kinds of problems because of it. And what do you say? See, I, I told you so. And that's what God's doing. God's going, Abram, I I told you. I was trying to save you some misery. I was trying to save you some pain. I was trying to make this easier because you were going to have enough battles as it is without Lot, but now you just added a lot to your problems. (laughs) You just added a lot to your problems because I told you to leave them behind. You see, but he wanted to bring something familiar. He wanted to carry someone familiar along with him. So let me ask you this, what lot are you still carrying around that God told you to leave behind in your walk with him? Maybe your lot goes by a different name. Maybe your lot is gossip. Maybe your lot is negative conversations and negative meetings with friends that you're having. Maybe your lot is lying and trying to manipulate and control. Maybe your lot is pornography Maybe your lot is alcohol. Maybe your lot is other relationships. Maybe your lot is always seeking approval. Maybe your lot is always living in worry and fear. Maybe your lot is anger. Whatever your lot is, Jesus is calling you. And he's saying, Lech Akarai, leave it behind. I accept you. I approve you, come and follow me. That's what Jesus is saying to you before he's saying, leave the familiar because I am the peace that's going to complete the picture and is going to bring that peace to your life. You see, God is calling us to leave the familiar, comfortable things, and here's what he's calling us to do. He's calling us from things and to something else. Every time God calls you from something, he's always going to be calling you to something. Okay, so he's calling you from familiar, but he's calling you to embrace the truth. He's calling you to embrace the goodness of his truth that he's trying to convey to you, and here's what happens when you embrace the truth. John 8 and 31. Go ahead and bring that up on the screen. John 8 and 31. 
Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. You'll embrace the truth when you leave the things that are familiar. You embrace what is right. You embrace my word. You embrace the truth. And that truth that you embrace and apply to your life, it's going to make you free. They answered him, we're Abraham's descendants, and we have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you're going to be made free? And Jesus said, listen, it's not about who you're related to. This is something you've got to embrace, something you've got to take on. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, not only are you just going to be free, but I'm going to throw another little word on there. You're going to be free indeed. Oh, y'all ain't in church today. I said you're going to be free indeed. Amen. Amen. Come on, somebody. Slap your neighbor and say free indeed. indeed. Say wake up. You're going to be free indeed. That means you're going to be abundantly more free than you could ever imagine. But what you've got to do is you've got to embrace the truth. It's not just going to happen because you say a prayer. It's not just going to happen because you show up for church. You've got to embrace the truth and do something with it and allow Jesus and his truth and his word to be the seat that has that throne, the, the, the seat of the throne in your heart and in your life and put him in his rightful place. And leave the things that are familiar, leave the things that he's calling you away from, and embrace his words when he says, Lekakarai, come and follow me because I've got something great for you. I've got something better than whatever you could dream or hope or imagine. You've got to embrace my word. You've got to embrace my truth because not only is it going to set you free, but you're going to be free indeed. You're going to continually walk in freedom. That's what that indeed is saying. You're going to continually walk in it, and here's what you're also going to do. You're going to continually grow in it. You're going to continually experience more freedom than you ever could imagine in a life that is committed with me, putting me in my rightful place, because I'm going to make you complete. I'm going to make you complete. I'm going to be that missing piece in your life, but you've got to leave familiar. God wants you free today, free from your past. He wants you free from your failures, free from feeling like I'm not good enough because here's what he's declaring over you today and I want you to get a hold of this. He's declaring over you today that I accept you, that I approve of you. If you'll allow me to fill that gap in your life and be the perfect fit to the peace that is missing in your life. If you allow me to be that perfect fit, allow me to take my rightful place in your life. Check this out in Ruth 1 and 16. Go ahead and bring that up. Ruth 1 and 16, she said this to her mother-in-law. Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. She says, for wherever you go, guess what? (sighs) I'm going too. And wherever you lodge, I'm going to lodge. Your people are going to be my people, and your God is going to be my God. I'm committing to you no matter what it looks like, no matter what i got to go through. You know what? I'm not going to go back to the familiar things because that's what her mother-in-law tried to tell her to do. You see, they had all just lost their husbands, and she said, you know what? She said, why don't you go and get married, go have a good life? She said, nope, I'm not going back to the things that are familiar. I'm not going back to my home country. I'm not going back to the things I left. I'm sticking with you because wherever you go, that's where I'm going. Whoever, wherever you're going to hang out and stay, that's where I'm going. Your people, they're my people. Even though I'm from a different land. Your God, I'm saying he's going to be my God. 
That's the commitment of leaving familiar. What has he called you to abandon that maybe you abandon it for a season, but you keep picking it back up? What is the word of God calling you to abandon to live more committed to him and his word? What is the Holy Spirit drawing you to right now? What is the Holy Spirit drawing you to right now? That feeling that you feel on the inside of you, that drawing, that thing that keeps coming up as I'm preaching and sharing this word with you, that God keeps saying, you've been picking this up, but I'm calling you to let it go. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit drawing you because that's what the Bible says that he does in John 16. He's talking about how the Holy Spirit draws us to repentance. He's the one that judges. He's the one that brings that conviction. When you feel that drawing and that thing keeps coming up as I've been sharing this word, that's the Holy Spirit working on your heart this morning. And here's what I want us to do. And it's going to be weird, and it's going to be awkward, but I want you to bow your head. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to forget about everybody in this place. This is just you and God. This is just you and God. And I want you to just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. What are you being drawn to leave right now, that familiar? God is saying to somebody right now, I accept you. Leave your past behind and come follow me. God is telling somebody right now, leave the pornography behind. God is telling somebody right now, leave the shame of your past behind. Because you've been walking around carrying shame like you're no good or you're worthless. And he's saying over you today, Lech Akari, I accept you. Come follow me. God is saying to somebody right now, leave the hurt that others have caused you. You've been carrying around a weight of hurt. You've been carrying it around like you were done wrong or you've picked up someone else's offense. Maybe someone else was done wrong in your opinion and you've carrying, you're now carrying that weight of their offense and it's not even something that was done to you. You're just carrying the weight of what was done to someone else. And God is saying, leave it. Leave it. Leave it behind. I accept you. Come follow me. Leave it. Leave that offense. Leave that unforgiveness and that bitterness. Leave it. Leave the alcohol. Leave the worry of what others think about you. Your constant need for approval. Your constant need of affirmation. Leave it. He's saying leave it behind. Leave the worry. Leave the fear. Leave your idol of money. Maybe you've made it an idol in your life. The pursuit of stuff to make you feel complete. It's never going to be the missing piece, ever. It will never be the missing piece. He's saying, leave it. Leave it. Leave the fact that you feel like you've always got to be right. <laughs> Everybody else is wrong but you. He's saying, abandon that and learn. Become a disciple. Become teachable. Leave it. That may mean he's calling some of you to make some changes in your life. He may be calling you to leave Facebook. <gasps> he may be calling you to leave some things that have become hindrances in your life. 
You need to abandon some of this stuff. He may be calling you to sever some ties with influences. Some of you, he may be calling to turn off the television because it's become an idol and a distraction. It's become too familiar. And it's taking away from his rightful place in your life. He's saying, I'm calling you to leave the things that are familiar. Lekakari, come follow me. God's telling you today that he's the missing piece in your life and that he accepts you and he approves of you and he wants you. He wants you. Here's the thing about God and his word. If it's in his word, not only is it for you, not only is he able, not only can he do it, but guess what, folks? He wants to do it. He desires to do it. He gave us his word to show us his heart and his desires. And he desires for you to be free. He desires for you to live a life of peace. He desires for you to live a life victorious. He desires for you to walk in victory. He desires for you to walk in the authority that he's called you to. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. This is going to be huge. I want you to take a huge step of faith today. And if you're identifying with this message and you're saying, Pastor Derek, I'm ready to disconnect myself from whatever it is that Jesus is calling me to abandon, I'm ready to take that step and I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to follow him. Just as your declaration of faith, just as your step of faith, I want you to just come down here this morning. Just make a step. Just go ahead and move now. If that's you, come down here and stand up here at the front. You're saying, I'm ready to make a stand. We're not going to do anything weird. I'm just asking you to just come down and just make a stand, make a declaration. I'm leaving familiar. I'm ready to leave the past. I'm ready to leave the hurts. I'm ready to leave the unforgiveness, leave the bitterness. I'm ready to leave the junk that's holding me bound. Just as your statement of faith this morning, folks, just declaring, I'm leaving it behind. I'm leaving familiar. I'm ready to move forward. I'm ready to move into what God is calling me to move. Some of you are sitting down and God is telling you, you need to be up here. You need to be up here. You need to quit waiting on somebody else. You need to move now. Now is your time. Not tomorrow, not next week. Quit waiting for a feeling. Quit waiting for the person sitting next to you to move. You need to move now. He's calling you to move right now because God's got great things in store for your life and he's wanting you to embrace it right now not tomorrow, not next week, right now. He's calling you to move and make a stand right now. Right now. Right now. I'm going to give you more time. Anybody else, right now. Right now. I'm ready to move. This is a big group of folks that are ready to make that commitment, that are ready to say, you know what? You're not making this commitment to me because I have absolutely no power to do anything. I'm just the messenger. This is between you and God. This is between you and God, not you and Pastor Derek, not you and your friend, not you and your spouse, you and God. This is between you and God right now. I'm leaving familiar. I'm going to embrace the calling. I'm going to embrace the destiny. I'm going to embrace the anointing. I'm going to embrace the future that God has for me. Even though it's scary, even though it's unsure, even though I don't know what's going to happen when I leave this, he's calling me to leave it. He's calling me to embrace it. So I want you to just bow your heads all over this place. God, in Jesus' name, I pray over this group of people that's just come for today, God. I ask you, Father, in Jesus' name, that you would help us to leave the things that are familiar. God, I, help, I ask you, God, you would help us to embrace the change, Father. Help us to embrace the things in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, help us to embrace the things that you have for our future. Help us to embrace them together, Father, to embrace the things that you would have us to do, God. 
to embrace them together, Father, to move forward, to move past the junk that's been tripping us up, that's been holding us bound in Jesus' name. I thank you, God. I thank you, God, in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father. Thank you for the destiny and the calling. I thank you, God. Thank you, God, for forgiveness. I thank you, God, for peace. I thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, that I accept that I'm loved, that you care about me, that you approve of me right where I am right now. You're calling me Lekakarai. You're calling me, and I accept. Just lift your hands up all over this place and just tell him today in your own way. Just tell him, Jesus, I accept. I accept I'm going to follow you. I'm going to abandon everything and leave everything behind because what you have for me is better than whatever. I trust you. I trust in you no matter what the cost. I want to follow you. I follow you and I give myself to you. In Jesus' name. Worship you.